Welcome to the Radical Departures podcast, your source for startup storytelling. We're your hosts, Abby and Chris. You'll hear informative discussions full of valuable expertise and actionable insight on the issues you face when launching and growing your startup. This is episode 13 of the Radical Departures podcast. Our guest today is Damien Courbon, co-founder and COO of SwapCard, a networking app designed to help users have more meaningful encounters at events. We talked with Damien about SwapCard's strategic and meticulous hiring process, why they're recruiting talent from abroad, and how they maintain such a low rate of employee turnover. So without further ado, here's episode 13 with Damien Courbon. So I'm one of the co-founders of SwapCard, an event networking platform. So we provide our app to events organizers and to improve the experience of attendees and exhibitors, mainly on networking. So the idea is to help each participant in doing interesting encounters during these events. And how did you come up with the idea for this? Oh, so we, we came up with slightly different ideas. So um, it was let's say, many ideas, but around managing business contacts. And so we say, okay, let's start with a simple app to help you exchange business contacts. And obviously, people exchange a lot of business contacts during events. So events at the beginning, it was more strategy to get visibility to acquire users. And then we realized there were much more value in helping you to meet someone rather just to exchange a business card. So. We evolve, we change the product, and now we are completely focused on, on events. And did you start with that because you noticed how badly it was to yes. begin with? Yes, so my two other co-founders and I we were working in different industries, but we've really seen how a pain it was to manage contacts. You get new contacts, and from several tools you use, several departments, it's, it's always a mess, it's always a pain, nobody likes it. And so we were thinking, okay, we need to change that, but trying many different things at the beginning and then realizing what we should focus on. So we've been to so many events because we were going to every event we were working with at the beginning and we still try to do so, but it's difficult. And we realized that events are so powerful to to do this, like encounters, to meet people. And it's, we like this idea of bringing back some human interaction into business. So mm-hmm. now we really like it's why we do that now, but it was not our first idea. It's something we've been discovering on our way. And it's events are really expensive, really, really expensive for people. And, and I would think that anybody that signs off, the marketing director, whoever, they want to be able to show some tangible results from, you know, you could spend 10000 20000 you could spend so much money. Yeah, for, for exhibitors, it's even worse because, as you say, they spend a lot of money in that it's actually one of the biggest marketing expenses for companies around the world. And until a few years ago, it was impossible to measure your like, return on investment. You have no ideas. You, you can measure that in terms of numbers of contacts you collected, but that's more or less it. And we've seen that now you get higher pressure. Like each time you will expand something, your managers or whoever will ask you why you do that, what is your return on investment. So you have to prove always why I'm spending money on that. So you need some tangible things to, to measure that. And yeah, we, we've seen that 
for attendees, it depends. Some events will be free, some other will be expensive, but now the difference is uh, you don't have so much time to spend to go to all events. You, you, your times need to be well used, I don't know what to say that, but... Efficient, yeah, you yeah. have to be very efficient. And yeah. so nobody likes to go to an event and being lost and not, not knowing what is happening, who should I talk to, and so you, we need to make the visit more interesting, more productive. Right. If not, they will leave, like there are so many events, it's getting more and more competitive, it's important to make sure that each, let's say, minute spent at an event should be interesting and productive, both for exhibitors and attendees. Is there an element of, like, you can use Swapcard ahead of time? You know that the event is coming up and you yeah. can connect with people you before? You should use it okay. ahead of time, <laughs> if not. So our idea is really, we don't want you to spend all the events uh, on your mobile. It's the opposite. We want you to prepare the event before going there, okay. to, let's say, you know, plan your, your visit by saying, okay, I will attend this conference, this workshop, I will visit this booth, I will meet these people, I can actually book some meeting with them. So when I come there, I already know what I want to do, who I want to meet. If you come to the event and you do that on site, it's a bit too late. Mm. It's, right. Sometimes it's even hard to find the right information be before getting there. And for me, it's uh, really like the worst you should do as an organizer. Yeah, the idea was to bring everything at the on the same spot, so on a mobile or on a web uh, application, where you can organize everything. So you get the program, you can see the list of exhibitors, the list of attendees, you can see everything. And so you can create your own program, let's say, on the app. So the people mm -hmm. that are attending, you can you can organize your networking for the event. The people that are organizing the events, what do they? What's the big takeaway for them? What's the yeah? Benefit? So it's interesting because we are selling to events organizers, but it's the main value of obviously for attendees and exhibitors. The important value we provide to organizer it's uh, some metrics. So it would be a way for them to quantify networking. Mm -hmm and especially to measure the ROI of exhibitors, right. which is a very important, like you need this kind of facts to sell booths for next edition. So mm -hmm. it's very important to get this data. And it's also a nice way to, to know more about your audience, like what kind of people were the most active or the most right. looked for, what were the peaks of networking during the time, what keywords were more looked for, like many kind of things will help you to know more about your audience and what your audience is looking for. Before anything, it's uh, something that attendees and exhibitors are now expecting. So mm -hmm. what we try to say to them is really you, you need to focus on the experience and on the satisfaction of your audience before anything. And most of them, and it's their right, will say, OK, we don't have the resources to do that. It's either too expensive or it's too time consuming. So that's why we try to remove all friction by building so organizers have this web interface where they can set up everything in a very easy and quick way. And the idea is to say, okay, you're bringing an additional value to your attendees without being time consuming for you and asking you more effort because events organizers have so many things they need to manage. Right. You cannot add them things, you know. Yeah, usually when the event starts, it's uh, even worse. It's, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Sure. It's completely When crazy. an event is very far away, they will be very curious, try to see new things and stuff, but really close, it's so many things to manage, yeah. many logistics things, yeah. and it's kind of, you know, it's not an easy job. It's You have like a, this kind of deadline where the event is happening. You cannot say, oh, let's do this event one day later. No, it's, it's not <laughs> going to happen. So yeah. you need to have everything right on this day. And so, yeah, it's, it's stressful. And that's why we, we need to 
gives them tools to make it easier to manage. And do you guys, when the events go on, do you have somebody from the company that's there with them? Yes, yes. It's something very important to us. So we said to the organizers that we'd also handle all the support parts, so online support, but also on-site support. Right. And it's something, it might sound like, I don't know, we don't know why it's, many competitors won't do that. And for us, it's an incredible way to talk to our users, to collect feedback, to also talk to um, other organizers who go to events so we, we get some visibility and we meet some customers doing that. And yeah, it's like, it's having access to a lot of direct feedback from your users. I mean, a lot of companies are struggling to get some good feedback. Mm -hmm. And for us, it's so easy. We just go to an event, we talk to attendees and that's it. So yeah, we love to do that. And as I said, it also it's a good way to meet other organizers. So it's right. even valuable to our business. And most of your events today, are they here in France? Are they around Europe? It's two thirds in France, mm -hmm. 65%. And the rest is kind of split to many countries because we worked with events in 40 countries now but mainly Europe and North America. But it's a platform, so every event organizer can use it without contacting us. They can do that, everything by themselves. That's why sometimes we see uh, an event happening, let's say, in India or in Senegal, like yesterday, and they're just using the platform. Yeah, we are, our focus is mainly uh, in Europe and North America. Do you ever work with an event to develop like a bespoke solution for them? Something that's integrated into their event? I, I don't know if it's what you think with bespoke solution, but we once uh, the, we made a like white label app, you know, mm -hmm. for, for one particular event. It's basically, like, historically, it's what is happening. Like people who want an event app, they will ask a white label app. It's right. a common thing. It's good for big events, but when you are like mid-sized events, it's too expensive and too time consuming to right. do that. And also we think it's bad for the user experience because you have to download a new app to create a new profile and to start all over each time you go to an event. And for us, because we'll use like some um, our data to improve your experience, we'll, we'll suggest you some attendees you should meet and we won't be able to do that if we were using siloted data for each event because you start from zero each time. So you need to, to get everything on the same platform. And we think the market will change and we think it will be more and more common to have one universal app for all events. But it doesn't mean we don't customize the experience according to the event brand. So the organizer can change colors, can change features, can change the way the app will interact with attendees. So we try to give them tools to customize the experience, but we it's one app for, yeah. Okay. But you, you can also use the web version to integrate it on your website. But still, it's, it's our services, but it can be like as a widget on your website. It's, it's something we can do, yeah. Do you see differences from one country or one continent to the other between how events, uh, what people are interested in or how the events work? So we can see, of course, main things like that will be the same for all events. Like, for example, main goals are always knowledge and networking for everywhere in the world. But you will see different expectations, you will see different ways to react also to a digital tool like an app. You will see yeah, many different things. I think something interesting here in France compared to, let's say, North America is it's so hard for people to network. Most of them are not willing to talk to someone they don't know. They're a bit afraid, they don't know how to do that. It's always sound a bit awkward to do that. Whereas in the US, it's, it's, 
it's more into culture, it's more normal. So it's it's interesting. The idea in France, we try to find these ice-breaking things to make people actually talk <laughs> with with one another, and it's something you don't need to push that much in the in US. So yeah, but it's, it's always funny to see the different way people will react, and it's also nice to see that more and more uh, events are international, gathering people from all over the world, the same place. So it's interesting to see how they will interact with one another. Yeah. Yeah, it's so bad because the most common thing is you go to an event and you will only talk with people you already know. Mm -hmm. And it's not bad. It's good to do that because you maintain relationships and stuff, but you're losing also opportunities. Try to meet at least one new person when you go to an event or, or even more. Yeah, it's not that easy, but we try to make that easier. You know, if you if you just chat uh, with the app at the beginning or if you set a meeting, maybe it will be helped to do the first step. And then when you start talking, you realize it's not that difficult. So, uh, yeah. Now, what's been the, the most difficult challenge so far that you've faced during your expansion? Because you started off with something, you, you sort of changed the product a little bit, you evolved. First, I think, yeah, at the beginning, even if you know everyone is saying to you, you need to focus on something. And it's so hard to do that because you want to try things, you want to see also how opportunities, and maybe a customer will reach out to you and say, I would like this, but this way. And so you care, it would be awesome to do that. but. Sometimes I also need to work on that and on that. So it was very difficult to, we, it took a lot of time for us to say, okay, from now we'll focus only on that. Right. It was And it was a painful process because when you do that, you know that you have to remove some interesting stuff. Mm. So it, it has been a big challenge. And I think we took a bit too much time to do it, but uh, the way you learn. And right. I think we can see now the positive effect of uh, having made these kind of decisions. And how do you do that kind of prioritization is it a matter of something you've seen, uh, say, 10 shows say, we really need this. Somebody else may point something out and you say, that's a really cool feature, but, I mean, do you yeah. go with the really cool thing? Do you go with, this is going to reach a broader market? It's it's a mix of things. So you're doing stuff, you're doing experiments, you're, and you will collect a lot of feedback, a lot of data. So that's a way also, to uh, first way to analyze things. But when you make this kind of so important decisions, it's so important to focus on the long-term vision. What do you want to achieve? What are you working on and why? Because if you only think about short-term goals, you will probably make bad decisions. And so, yeah, when you do this kind of very difficult decision, you say, okay, let's say what we want to achieve in, I don't know, five, 10 years, something like this, even too far that it sounds impossible, but let's see that. And let's try to make decisions according to the best way to reach this goal. What is your personal background? How did you get into this? I've been doing like very basic, I don't know what to say, but uh, very common studies. I've been studying in a business school, kind of generalist one. I've been working a bit in the food industry as a consultant and in finance, consulting, and auditing. So very like, you know, when you don't know exactly what should I do, let's pick <laughs> some general stuff and, and learn from that. And I knew that I wanted to create a company, but it was something I was thinking, I cannot do that right now. I need to wait to gain more experience. And then for me, it was funny to, to you know, to find ideas, to discuss product, business model, everything related to, to entrepreneurship. And I was going to some meetups. I was speaking with friends or with new people. And then I realized, okay, maybe maybe the best way to, to do it is by just doing it simply and learn from it. And so I had some friends who had like similar idea 
than me and so introduce me to someone and we start discussing and I think alone I would not have like say okay let's do this but by seeing this motivation and the, this dynamic it pushed me to say okay let's do it and at the beginning to be honest so we were starting from nothing we had to learn so many things but it was very interesting to do so. Tism by fire mm -hmm. we say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's a bit crazy but it's a uh, an effective way to do it. If she, I mean, you, you need time because it, it won't come like in, let's say, one week or one month. So, you, so many things to learn and to discover that you will need time to do that. But it's uh, an effective way to do it, yeah. And did you find with your co-founders, did you all have sort of complementary skills and interests that... Uh... Yeah, but obviously at the beginning, and it's a bit bad, but everyone tries to do a bit of everything. Mm -hmm. Even if it's, you don't know anything about it, you want to, to do things. And it takes time, but then little by little, and naturally you will focus more on some part and the others more in some part. And I think it, it, it was easy for us. We were not struggling. Who should take in charge this? It, it, it really came on a natural way, so it's, yeah. And one is now in charge of products, other is in charge of sales, and me, I'm still, I still have this bit of bad idea of trying to work on many things, but so I think I'm more or less like a kind of CEO, but I'm, my main goal is to make sure that we execute well, we provide the best experience to our customers and our users, and that means hiring the right people, organizing all the team, finding the why tools or way to do things. And so I'm also in link to marketing currently, but we're looking for a CMO because it's not my main. Now you're talking about hiring people. I think I came across you guys because I saw something on AngelList and I was like, wow, these guys are hiring a lot of people. Maybe you could tell us a bit about that. Yeah, we've been, so now we're a team of 22 based in France. We also work with uh, a few resellers abroad, but the main part of the team is based in France. And so we have been hiring a lot this uh, last summer. So we bought eight new people in the team, more or less in, in September. And actually, Angelist was so effective. For, for us, it was important to gather more people from abroad mm -hmm. because we want to expand internationally. So we right. have to get an international mindset. And Angelist was really effective for that. We we have been doing a lot last year with low resources, and now we try to scale. So we need more resources. We need some people with more experience, and that's why we're bringing more people within the team. And how is that process? Is that a, is that pretty easy? It's it's easy to find people, easy to onboard, or is that present new challenges? So, so to find people, I don't know if it's easy or hard. It's not easy, obviously. And for us, it's very like we take it very seriously. We won't hire someone because, okay, we need someone, let's find someone in one week and hire it. No. If we need to wait several months to hire the right person, we'll wait. It's so important to have the very good profiles for each um, position within the team. So we really take our time. And when we find the right profile, we know it and we try to hire this person. Last summer, it has been working quite effectively for many profiles. For some of them, we are still struggling to find the right person. So it depends. Sometimes it's hard. It will take a lot of time, but it's always better to wait a bit and to find the right profile rather to, than to hire in a hurry. I think it's good to have this kind of flexibility. It's also good sometimes, you know, to be able to, even for someone within the team, maybe you're not on the right position and you need to move. And so I think it's good to have this flexibility, but for us, it will 
drive me crazy to have such a high turnover. We have a very low turnover, and I think it's because we really focus on finding profiles that fit the team. Is it culturally? Yes, it, yes. Yeah. We try always to hire people like, you know, it's always this kind of rule. You have to think, would I be willing to spend a weekend with that person? If not, that's a bad sign. You right. shouldn't hire this person. Right. Because it's a lot of stress. When you're going through that kind of growth, it can be very stressful. Yes, especially in a very small company. It's first like team spirit and yeah, it's so important. It helps everyone to be more motivated, more productive, because if you're happy to work with this person, you will be happy to make efforts with them. If you don't, I think it can be even counterproductive. So yeah, I agree with that. And that's also why we work a lot on the, like making sure everyone is comfortable. I don't know how to say that, but is feeling well in the company. And so if we see that someone maybe is not happy anymore, we try to understand maybe you're not learning enough. Maybe you're not interacting with enough with other people on the team. We try to understand and to fix that. And maybe it's not just, it's not in the white position is the right company is the right time, maybe, but if not, we try to earn things because it's always better to try to to have a happy and motivated team. It's, it's something we've been hiring so this summer, it's a kind of trendy position, but happiness manager within mm -hmm. the team. It sounds a bit like having a, a ping pong table within, mm -hmm. it's like, ah, oh, we should, no, it's, for me, it's, we don't have anyone working on the human resources part. I'm handling the hiring and stuff, and it was important to have someone being like, able to manage all the well-being of the team to make sure everyone is yeah, and feeling good in the team. So it's mainly that. And it's also, we, as we have been onboarding many people, we have been trying to have like much better onboarding than before, because before it was, okay, it's your first day. Okay, here's, here's your computer, you can start, let's go. Thank God you're here, here's yeah. all this work. Yeah, and good luck. And well, people are still here, so it's, but, <laughs> When you speak to them, they will say, okay, the beginning was so hard. <laughs> so now we try to work a lot on that, to have this kind of first week where you don't do anything, you just learn from others, you just like discover how things are working. And we try to organize, so it sounds stupid, but we have lunch together, we have drinks once a week together, we do some activities, we leave for some weekends every six months and stuff like this. Because the team is becoming bigger and bigger, we need someone to organize all this. If not, it won't happen. Yeah, right. Because it's something everyone will agree. It's nice to have some drawings with the team. It's nice to do this kind of team building activity. But if nobody is taking care of it, you will always forget it. You'll mm -hmm. say, ah, oh, yes, let's do that. But oh, let's see, we'll do that later. And at the end, nobody does it. So if you have someone responsible for that, you will show it will happen. It can be a bit dangerous sometimes because mm -hmm. if you don't see the difference between work and outside yeah. of work. But yeah, we try to make sure that they feel well at work and to feel well somewhere. You need to get along well with people. You need right. to know them. And for me, collaboration, I like that everyone on the team is very autonomous and is able to work alone. But if you don't speak with mm. other people within the team, you are going to make some wrong decisions or you are going to waste sometimes. So it's so important that everyone in the team always pick with one another. And so if, if they get along well, it will be just more natural and, and easier. Yeah. And for communication, do you have what kind of internal channels do you So yeah, we that? use Slack. Mm -hmm. We massively use Slack. It's like first we all communicate into this, but we also plugged all our services, our mm -hmm. database and everything. So yeah, it's like our business depends on it more or less now. And so because now some people in the team, including me, are, are doing some part of the time remotely, we try to do a lot of video calls, like video calls, yeah. 
and yeah, we're also using many tools, but so one word is to having all these tools committing also with one another. If not, you will lose some information right. and you will waste time. And I think because, so we try to, so you have a clear focus and it's more the well-being of employees, so it's not all HR things. Right. But within our company, we're thinking, okay, maybe it's not a full-time job, so let's see how we can find someone we can use, spare time to do other things. And so she's Martel working on content marketing, but we've seen that she has pretty good skills for human resources, and I think mm. she will will extend her scope on human resources. And I agree, it totally makes sense because yeah. it's very close. Yeah, it's good to have the happiness in general. To have the happiness angle, <laughs> I think, is helpful in a company. It, it's yeah. already a positive outlook on something that people have a. Oh, yeah. there's a lot of stigma about it. I think you know it's always important to have like a, first something really stupid, but. I've seen in so many companies that human resources have a bad image. Like, mm -hmm. ah, it's the people will, you know, you will do this useless meeting with them and maybe they will fire you. I don't know, but they have this bad image or administrative stuff. You don't want to deal so much with them. And if their goal is happiness, then it will be clear on the mind of everyone. So you should use these persons to, you know, to be better at your work and stuff. So it's something like a rule very important at Swapcard is to make sure that Every time you see something going not the right way, even if it's not uh, depending on you, but something else you see, you should say it. Don't keep anything for you. And sometimes you'll be a bit afraid because you'll say, okay, maybe I think this person is doing something the wrong way. And it's difficult to say that. Mm -hmm. right. So having one person you can rely on and you can say everything, I think it helps a lot to do that. It's just fact of, okay, you need to see that person as someone like with a positive thing and you know working mm -hmm. along with you so maybe it will change the perception of <laughs> human resources it companies. takes the right kind of person then too because they have to be very discreet and able to address conflict in a yes and also way. have to be able to so listen and understand very different people mm -hmm. so it's, yeah. it's a skill many people won't be able to even listen to people right. <laughs> and even more to understand them so yeah it's you need a lot of being very great into interpersonal mm -hmm. relations I don't know what to EQ, say EQ we call it yeah, you've demystified the happiness officer. That's good, because I, I was always like, okay, No, but silly. you don't need to do it just to do it. You need yeah. to do it if you think it's important for your team. It's always, when you hire someone, always think, okay, what is the objective? What we want to achieve with that person? If you do it just because it's fun, and it's, no, it won't bring mm -hmm. any results. Now, you guys, the fact that you're hiring a lot of people, how is this possible? You, you're, is it a business growing? Is it you're raising money? Is it some of both? It's a mix. It's both of them. We've been, uh, so actually, we, we started to monetize our services a bit more than one year ago now. And so we were close to break even, but not, we, we haven't reached it. And yes, we raised some funds lately, uh, last summer. And so, the main idea of that is really we want to expand. We want it's kind of a race. The industry is changing a lot. Many things are happening. There are more and more actors in that uh, market. So we need to move fast and especially expanding internationally. So that's why we bring more people in the team. Now, when you look at expanding internationally, is that more elsewhere in Europe? Is that North America? What do you see there? Our next focus is clearly uh, North America. So currently we have, so we've been working with some resellers. It has been more like a, an opportunistic move. So we met this person actually at events we were working with saying, oh, this solution is great. I'm, I'm sure I can sell it easily in this market or this country or anything. So we've been trying that and it's a great way to test the market without taking so much risk because you will only pay them in a commission-based way. So 
it's only when they sell your products that you, you will actually build them. So it's very easy. It hasn't worked out in every country we've tried, but it has been worked out very well in Canada. Mm. And so that's why we are thinking of opening an office now there. And so we increase the activity there. And, but our next focus would be the US. We don't go there right now because we still need to work a lot on products, on sales and marketing processes and stuff. But we want to be there in the next two years. And also we want to work more and more into platform way of, you know, acquiring users like more naturally. It's something for mid-sized events, small events, it's working well because it's easy. But for bigger events, they always, not always actually, but organizers love to meet people they work with. So when you're in France or when you're in Canada, it's easy to meet them. But for customers, let's say in India or in US, if you're not there, it's always a bit more difficult. So we try to have this like points of contact a bit everywhere. And we said it's obviously a great way to do it, but I think having a team there, it's a more long-term way to implement that, to work in the market. Have you put out feelers in the US? Uh, are you sort of testing the waters a bit? We've been working a bit with a reseller, but it didn't work out very well. And now, so we're managing that from friends, but we're working with more and more events in the US. I'd say it's not that much. I'd say something like five events a month, or something like this, so it's still very low. But it's a way to, you know, test the market. You will always see some differences in terms of organizer expectations in US, in Canada, in France, and other parts. So it's a way for us to learn. And when we'll feel ready, we'll try to go there more often and then to build a team there. What do they expect? Is What's different in the expectations in the US, for example? I think in the, what we've seen in US, that they will pay way more attention to every details within the app. Sometimes in France, they just want to see like an overview of, of it and say, okay, I like it, let's go. Whereas in the US, they will pay attention to every detail. And something, it was just, we were not used to that and it's interesting, but it's, it's also a great way to improve your product because <laughs> they will test every single thing of your product. And it's a good way to see, you know, because that's why now we are hiring more people from US and Canada and stuff. But before, at the beginning, we were only French people you know, in terms of translation, but not only that, in terms of, of the way you showcase and the, the way the experience is built was not really adapted to the U.S. market. So we are changing a lot of, of these things now thanks to the, some American team members we, we brought to the team. Are they Americans that are living here? or? Yeah, we, we have two Americans living here. So we they were living in the U.S. and they came to France. Within the team, we have two people from U.S., one from Canada, one from Spain, and one from Russia. It's five people out of 22. It's not that much, but we try to bring more and more people. When we hire someone from abroad, we'll help with everything on the, you know, visa process, the relocation uh, costs and stuff like this. And we know it's such a pain with administrative stuff, finding a flat, all these kind of things. So it's also nice to have, you know, someone in the office who can help with everything like this. Like you arrive to a new country, everything is new, and we try to help as much as possible for you to, yeah, to do all these kind of things you need to do when you <laughs> relocate. So you've recruited people from wherever they were? Yeah. Huh, wow, okay. That's unusual, especially for a smaller company. Here. Yeah, but I think when you... I think a lot of people are willing to, you know, have mm. these experiences for American people in Europe or for French people outside. So many people are willing to do that, but it's always sounds difficult to find the right job. To yeah. And so if you talk with someone and you say you will help them and and they feel that they won't be the only one outside of France within the team, 
they will get some more insurance and then mm -hmm. it's easier to convince them. Yeah, so has that made your team bilingual now? Yes, we have to switch from uh, French to English and it's still hard because, you know, when you are French people talking with one another in, in English, it's always a bit weird and <laughs> not that efficient. But now it's, it's the rule, we are changing that and it's great, everybody's loving it. We have some English and French lessons to the office once per week. Mm -hmm. So it helps a bit in the process. But yeah, no, everyone is, is loving it. I think even French people, they're very happy we switch to English. Oh, that's really cool. It's great for them professionally, I think, exactly. for their future. And yeah. they, they were expecting that. Uh, more and more young people are expecting to work in an international environment. Even when we hire French people, just saying that, okay, within the team, we have some people from US, Canada, Spain. They're always happy to mm. hear that. So yeah. How can you explain in a country if you don't know anything about this country? It's very hard. So you need people to give you this kind of knowledge. You really need it. Yeah, it helps. I think it really does. It opens a lot of opportunity. And it's also, you know, a way to find new way of working. Sometimes, you know, someone will say people will always bring some things they learned from previous experiences. And sometimes oh, we've never thought about this. And it's, it's interesting also to change a bit the way we work. And yeah, because even I know, I don't know how you've been since you moved here. I know for me, you grow up doing things a certain way and you just don't think about it. That's how it is. And then you come to another country and you think, oh, wait a minute. Why do we do it that way? Yeah, well, you have assumptions that until they're challenged, they just, you know, are yeah. confirmed usually. Yeah. For me, it's, I've been moving a lot and I've been living in several countries. So I really like this, you know, fact of always trying new ways to do things. It's really... I'm a bit afraid of 14, you know, of doing mm. So it doesn't mean you don't have to be organized, but I like the fact that you can change regularly the way you do some things, and it's very interesting. What do you see in the future? What's going to be happening in the company? More international expansion? Yes, it's one thing. So in terms of product, we're working a lot on the predictive part. So today we suggest you some attendees you should meet, but we want to expand that in the suggesting you booths you should visit, conferences or workshops you should attend, everything to make your visit more interesting and more productive. And we're working also a lot on the exhibitors experience. As you say, such a challenge for them to have like this positive ROI, so helping them a lot to find and talk to customers or potential leads uh, during events. So in terms of product, that's it. In terms of expansions, yeah, the idea is really to focus on expanding in UK, US and Canada. And we believe when you expand in a market like US, then it will naturally expand to other countries because it's very influential market, not for all industries, but for event industries it is. And yeah, just keep the idea. We don't have, want a team to be like thousands of people within the company. Maybe we'll reach that, but my main idea is to try to make things a more effective way. So keep trying to be very effective in terms of the way we allocate resources. It's not because you have more money that you you should spend it without thinking. Always try to keep it because you know when you're starting a company, you if you don't do that, you're dead. So you learn by doing that. And I really want to keep that because I really like the idea of challenging everything and try to make always the best decision. And I really want to keep that. In terms of culture, I, it's, it will be a struggle, but I really want to keep this strong team spirit. But it would be difficult when you have separate teams, more people working remotely. So we really have to try to find new ways of keeping this culture and this team spirit. I'm sure we can achieve it, but it's just the kind of challenges we'll, face, we'll be facing. So Damien, to wrap up, what does success look like for Swapcard, for you personally? Okay, so for Swapcard, it's, I think we'll always aim at bigger, but you know, it's, 
you have this kind of stage and one first stage will be to scale our solution and to make sure that it's become like a kind of reference within the event industry, it will be mm. very great stage. And then we have plenty of ideas we want to, yeah, so we'll try to go as far as possible. So success, I think it's just to keep this energy of always wanting more, you know? And so there is no final step in our mind. We just want to go as far as possible. And to me personally is, and for everyone in the team, we try to say that you always need to keep on learning. The day you stop learning, something is bad. So just keeping doing things you like and keep learning every day. Like it's not also, it's, it's, I think success, people always think about this one thing one time, but I prefer to see that on a, you know, ongoing process, always doing a better things, you know, better way, I don't know it. But yeah, just keeping that, it would be my definition of success, yeah. Well, thank you very much, Damien. Thank really, you for having really me. Really good fun. <laughs> I had fun too. Thanks a lot. That wraps up another episode of the Radical Departures podcast. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our feed on iTunes. And join us next time on Radical Departures. Radical Departures.